This time on Chew Diligence, Chef Carlos Falcone. Every time that you bite it, uh, I think it, the ocean explodes in your mouth. Brings incredible seafood to Kansas City. We uh, order food uh, through all over the world, and um, when it arrives, that's when the menu is decided. From tastes of his childhood in Mexico, it was kind of selfish uh, reason because I was missing the food, but at the same time, I want to share with people. To food maybe you've never even heard of. So, Lindsay, do you know what gooey duck is? No. Okay, I think we have to define that, Carlos. It's um, so gooey duck is like a, not duck. It's, it's not duck. It's not. It's duck. not even gooey. It's not even gooey. It's almost like you eating a piece of steak. Oh wow! But it's really, really good. Plus, big news: where Chef Carlos will soon open his third KC restaurant. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So. Um, yeah, we just uh, we just signed a lease for a new location. And how his next seafood adventure will be different. Welcome to our latest episode of Chew Diligence, and we are so excited, Lindsay Shively here with Jill Silva, to have Carlos Falcone join us for this episode. We've got some exciting news. Breaking news, but first, delay, deep tease. We're going to talk <laughs> about the food. First, the food. We want to make sure we talk about some of the amazing dishes around town first. Jill, I was telling you before about uh, my first trip to Waldo Thai. Yeah. This, I've got to look at the picture while I'm talking about it, even though this is a podcast, which is crazy. Because you want to drool. Yes. Uh, I've been looking for really warm fall dishes since we had a crisp in the air, and they had the most unbelievable brisket and pumpkin coconut curry. Mm. Oh, my goodness. It that was to so die good. for, yes. <laughs> and they made me mocktails that knocked my socks off for the pregnant woman, which is unbelievable. You have to describe that mocktail again because yeah. it sounded very beautiful. Oh, because I don't really like sweet drinks. And uh, the bartender came over and asked. I said, no. And he goes, it's all about balance of the flavors. I go, okay, this guy knows what's up. He made a chrysanthemum tea and grapefruit mocktail with beautiful garnishes that tasted better, quite frankly, than a lot of the real cocktails I've ever had in my life. So... Kudos to them, and thank you so much. I think his name was Daryl. Daryl Lou is a really, really talented guy. Yes. Yeah. Daryl Lou. Mm-hmm. Score, Lindsay. Yeah. You didn't he, even know. I did not. I stumbled upon something amazing. And his personality is like larger than life. Yes. Too, so. <laughs> yeah. He was not ashamed to tell me it's <laughs> all about the balance of the flavors. That's Daryl. <laughs> I love that. Jill, what about you? Uh, had family from Brazil in, so we had to go stand in line on a Saturday night for over an hour at Joe's KC, the original <laughs> location. But you know what? They were blown away and really enjoyed it. So it was all worthwhile. I tried some new things on the menu, too. Oh, oh. The rocket pig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, another in their pantheon of amazing sandwiches. So you got the Z-Man, you got the Carolina pork, and you've got the rocket pig with jalapenos, deep wow. fried jalapenos, bacon, cheese. Oh, my gosh. Pulled pork. It's It all worked? It did. And then somebody asked me, which was your favorite between the Z-Man and the rocket pig? And I... Uh, I might have to go for the Z-Man, but... Classic. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yes, very a very, very good sandwich, um, just piled high. And they also had dessert. Um, oh, 
I never think to get dessert because I'm so full yeah, and I'm done. Like, with like we needed this. Yeah, we <laughs> ordered so much food. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but we ate a lot of it. And uh, the dessert was an apple cobbler. Ooh. Yeah. What delightful. a way to finish a meal. Yeah. Very fall. You know, it was kind Very. of my first apple dessert of fall. So I was, yeah. I was pretty satisfied. I love that. And Chef Carlos Falcone, what is your, where's your favorite place to go eat when you're not at one of your amazing restaurants? Um, well, w- w- one of my favorite actually is uh, the Rieger with Howard Hanna. Howard Hanna is like really, really talented uh, chef in town. And uh, um, his food is just sublime, beautiful. Uh, doesn't shy from ingredients and uh, I just think he does a great job. I mean, there's a other other places, but I, I think uh, the 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 rigor is one of my favorites. What do you order when you go there? Is there a favorite, or are you always trying something new? I love the charcuterie board. Mm. Every time, like every time that he changes it, uh, it's just beautiful. Uh, the new things that he add to to his charcu his charcuterie board is they're like they they they'll knock your socks off. I ate there recently with. Carmen Cabilla, oh, another chef oh, we That's know. one of my favorite persons in the world. <laughs> El Tenedor, and we had a great dinner. But it was right before the menu changed. So, like, he was changing it to fall at the end of the week, and I felt kind of cheated a little bit. Like, <laughs> couldn't I see the fall before? Yeah. Right. But, no, it was great. We, we kissed summer goodbye. But that's a good reason to go back, too. So I know. Absolutely. Yes. Love that place. And if you are unfamiliar with Chef Carlos Falcone, tell us about Harocho, your original location I've been to and fell in love. I had barnacles for the first time in my oh, life yes. and thought that was so special and awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, barnacles, uh, gooseneck barnacles, they are special in, in general. They are really hard to get um, because it's really, really dangerous the way they harvest them. Uh, they have to harvest them in the high tide. Um, they grow in these uh, rocks, you know, with the tie like hits really, really hard. Mm. They have to wear special suits uh, because the, the rocks are like really, really sharp. And uh, I mean, I think it just encapsulates the whole essence of the ocean. Uh, they're just beautiful. They're kind of weird looking. But <laughs> they look you, like dinosaur feet, I think. Now, um, well, they call it, uh, actually, a lot of people call uh dragon toes. <laughs> That's what they call them. And, uh, uh, but they're just like beautiful. Uh, if you pass the the look, you know, if you get to pass the look and you don't care about that, um, you're up for a really good experience because they're they're delicious, you know. And uh, yes. at the restaurant, we just cook them like very very simple, uh, just a little bit of butter, a little bit of lemon, and that's it. And you do a lot of very unusual seafood, and I've tried gooey duck and some other things. But you also started out with kind of a more um, straightforward menu, I guess. So, and you still have sort of two menus, yeah, running at the same time. So, people who want their uh, fish and their crab and their oysters kind of straightforward, yeah, can like, do that. Tell like, us a little bit about your strategy. Well, like, like any other chef, you know, uh, I I offer the traditional things that that, that I grew up eating, uh, that I grew up with, you know, eating in Mexico. Um, I'm from Veracruz. Veracruz is a very, very, um, how would you call it? Like, uh, it's a city that a lot of people, because it's an industrial town, a lot of people from Mexico, from other states, they, uh, they go to Veracruz. And so we have a lot of cultures, you know, um, like 
people from the Pacific, from center, uh, the center of the country, um, East Coast, West Coast, I mean, North. And so a lot of people that come and live in, 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 in the, specifically in Coaxacualcos, uh, which is the last town of Veracruz in the South, uh, they bring a little bit of their culture and it, it makes it way more interesting. Um, so, yes, we offer 36 items uh, in the basic menu. I think it, uh, because I really, I, I, I'm kind of selfish when it comes to that because I did it because I miss that food. Hmm. And uh, I want people to enjoy it too. And it works perfectly. On the other hand, as a chef, you know, I want to offer me, my food, you know, the, my interpretation of things. And, and I'm always, like, thriving for, like, weird stuff, like you mentioned before. So, <laughs> I, 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 because a lot of people thought, oh, we're in the Midwest. Uh, seafood is impossible, you know, landlocked uh, state. Um, so, uh, seafood is impossible. But now with transportation and communication, you know, uh, all those distances, they get shorter. Yeah. So, we bring seafood all the way from Japan. So, we ordered from Tsukiji Market, and uh, we ordered one day, and the next day is here. Um, normally about 20, 22 hours after uh, leaves uh, Tokyo, we get it here. That's pretty incredible. Do you find that, I mean, you've had the original Hirocho for about four years now, right? Four years. Four years? Uh, uh, Wednesday. This past oh, Wednesday wow. was four years. So, Have you noticed people becoming more open-minded to seafood? I mean, obviously, if they're going to see you, they've already got a good idea. Oh, yes. Are you finding them being more adventurous? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. Uh, uh, I mean... People in town and uh, a lot of people from out of town, people fly here just to eat the food that we offer. Wow. So, and, and it's surprisingly, we get people from the East Coast or West Coast, you know, and they come and try our food and uh, our seafood in general, and they are impressed. And sometimes uh, we get the compliment that it tastes better here than actually by the ocean. Huh? That's a uh, big compliment. <laughs> it is. It is kind of, it's kind of crazy and puts a lot of pressure on you too, you know, so... And that's what we keep. You just keep going, keep going. So, I don't think I ever realized that we had so much seafood here in the Midwest. I think I concentrated for many years when I was food editor on barbecue and other pork and other indigenous kinds of foods, mm-hmm. native foods, things that spoke to our tradition here. Tell me about sort of bringing seafood in when I did a special section and you were featured in that. Um I really got to understand your viewpoint, <clears throat> excuse me, your viewpoint on this. Um, well, uh, I mean, um, once again, you know, because a lot of people think because we're a landlocked state, they think uh, we, sh- we are only entitled to certain things uh, like barbecue. Barbecue <laughs> is amazing. I sure. love it. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for barbecue because it brings a lot of people into town. But now, uh, little by little, you know, they start coming for other things. The food movement here for the last eight years is getting way crazier. <laughs> so we have a lot of talented chefs. You know, they're moving into town, and uh, they send him home here. And uh, they're offering their skills and uh, um, their good practices and, and uh, their talent in general, you know. So it, it, got, it got better. So for me, it was like a no-brainer. You know, be, uh, being from the coast in Mexico and being in a landlocked state, uh, yeah, I was missing seafood. So I saw that niche. Uh, and once again, you know, it was kind of selfish uh, reason because I was missing the food. But at the same time, I want to share with people. 
and uh, I guess what work. It worked really good. So it worked great, and <laughs> that's because I don't think we had anything like what you were doing before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we with all due respect, you know, we do have other restaurants that they offer seafood, but I don't think it, anybody's doing what I'm doing. What is your favorite dish that people order that is from your childhood that you get so excited to see somebody try? Oysters. Oysters. <laughs> yeah, oysters. Uh, I mean, I enjoy uh, the good faces, the bad faces, you know. <laughs> uh, people, uh, uh, they try oysters for the first time, you know. And for me, for the longest time, oysters were just oysters, like for every, almost for everybody else. But yeah. um, being able to bring uh, oysters from all over the world uh, – it kind of opened my eyes, and uh, oysters are very, very different. It's almost like wines. Hmm. It's that very amazing. complex. I, I went through tasting a lot for that particular article that I wrote, and I, I had no idea that the West Coast and the East Coast had such different flavors, and then you were even bringing in some from... Oh, uh, we brought oysters all the way from Japan. Uh, right now we bring in all the oysters from Ensenada, Mexico. So the beautiful thing about that is that they harvest the oysters one day, let, let's say Monday, and Tuesday after they harvest them, we get them here. So, so really airplanes are like our, oh, our yes. new uh, ships and trains, oh, yes. right? I mean, yeah, they, pretty much. And that can get here. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't work if we didn't have airports. Yep. Right? <laughs> so now with the, hopefully with a new airport, you know, we're going to have more access to, to new things. You know, speaking of oysters, you told us something before we started recording that Jill and I are over the moon about. You have two restaurants now, and we just heard you're working on a third. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited. So, um, yeah, we just uh, we just signed a lease for a new location. So, um, and once again, you know, one of my favorite favorite things um, in the world is sushi. So. Um, I'm big, big fan. I'm not a I'm not a sushi chef by any means, but I think uh, uh, Kansas City and the Midwest deserves um, um, something different. And uh, um, I got the help of my wife, you know, Sayaka. Sayaka is my biggest fan and biggest supporter, and she's from Okinawa, Japan. So we got the I got the chance to go with her and uh, to explore the culture. And uh, I mean, uh, reading stuff about Japan is one thing. Seeing it and uh, eating it is completely different. And so I thought, it's like, once again, you know, I'm going to be a little bit selfish and I'm going to bring something that, that I really love and I'm really passionate about it. And, uh, and the first thing that I love from my childhood, which is oyster. So we're going to do a sushi and oyster bar. Do you have a name? Uh, yes. Uh, it's called Sayachi. Sayachi, I love it. Yeah, Sayachi, oyster, and, I mean, sushi and oyster bar. Are you telling people where yet? Uh, well, I think the people is going to figure it out really, really quick. So. <laughs> and opening date? Pretty uh, far We're going to push it for like mid-December, so yeah. fingers crossed, you know. And this industry is really, um, I don't know, very, very like hard. And uh, sometimes you set like your plans, you know, for a certain time and, it never works. <laughs> a lot but of let, stuff let, has to happen, let, right? Yes, yeah. a lot of stuff. So yeah, and well, I want to do the right thing. So I, I want to take my time to build a place to to make it beautiful and just to have the right contacts uh, to bring the best seafood the the Midwest can have. So will you um, sit 
basically in a line and ask the chef for things? Or are you going to have more restaurant seating? Or how are you going to do that? So uh, we offer in the traditional sushi uh, um, kind of a bar items, you know, that are are offered here in town. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that uh, that I've been doing for the last four years, it's omakase. Um, And the reason I do that is because as a chef, that's the biggest um, um, sign of freedom that you can have when your clients uh, or your customers, you know, trust you with uh, with food so that you're going to serve them, you know, whatever you want. That's what omakase means. You just leave oh. it to the chef. Hmm. So I don't even know the menu until like what, four hours before you guys arrive. And uh, we like we uh, order food uh, through all over the world. And uh, when it arrives, that's when the menu is decided. So people, most of the, most of the time, the, the people um, order omakase, uh, they have to come with an open mind and uh, just, to, just to be free and just try new things. That's my favorite way to eat. Then mm-hmm. I don't have to think and I get the best quality yeah. from the chef. And I've done that a couple of times with yeah. Carlos. And every time I bring somebody new, they're always... Um, blown away Mm. that's Um, awesome because they haven't most people haven't dined that way it's we're really in as americans i think we're really into i want that entree that number and they want to know exactly what it looks like and so it's kind of a new experience to say chef help me out here tell me what tell me what's freshest today yeah and people that come to the restaurant not just for the omakase um now we establish the trust between the customer and and myself they they just arrive to the restaurant and uh, and they just like send a message to the kitchen or sometimes I get the chance to go and talk to them and they say just like send me whatever you think we're gonna we want and uh, as a chef that's the biggest compliment and I mean it makes you feel good that's the ultimate pretty much and you're eating a lot of small tastes too it's not like you're sending out five mm. big plates mm-hmm. it's like lots oh, of yes, little yeah. taste that can go on for how many courses yeah i mean we start normally we started about six courses but we go all the way to 13 wow. and uh, it, it, it's just fantastic this is the the reason why i do it um, i have fun cooking so when you get the chance to cook different things in such a short period of time uh, that's it's like a kid in the the at the park, you know, so it's always like fun and uh, trying new things. And it, sometimes there are new things for the customer, but sometimes there are like new things for me too. Hmm. So, give us an example of some of the items that somebody might see on an omakase. Just I know it changes all the time, oh, but I some mean, of the things that you're really you've done lately that you're real excited about, just to give them a taste. So, um, from like live sea urchin, uh, live gooey duck, you know, so we just like. Cut it right in the moment, and uh, sometimes it kind of moves on your on your plate. Wow! And uh, um, but, but we get the chance to like bring stuff that, let's say, we bring langoustines for all the way from uh, New Zealand or uh, Nigerian shrimp. You know, the biggest shrimp in the world. So each shrimp weighs about eight ounces. <laughs> so just one shrimp. So it, it's just it's just beautiful, and and just people love it. So, Lindsay, do you know what gooey duck is? No. Okay, I think we have to define that, Carlos. It's um, so gooey duck is like uh, not duck. It's, it's not duck. It's not. Duck. It's not even gooey. It's not even gooey, <laughs> and it's not it's spelled gooey too. It's spelled like geo duck. <laughs> it's kind of kind of weird. So uh, it's almost like like an elephant trunk. It's one of the biggest clams in the in the world. The oh. siphon is 
just long. It can stretch out to like four feet and uh, it can weigh four to five pounds. It's one of the most expensive uh, uh, clams. But right now, probably like between $35 and $45 a pound. So, wow. so when you get to the restaurant and you try just a little bit, just know that. That's why you try just a little bit. Because, and the thing is, it's really rich in flavor, nice, crunchy, salty, uh, sweet at the same time. Uh, it's, just, it's just beautiful. Meaty? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the best consistency of seafood is nothing like oyster, you know, like a lot of people, because the texture, you know, it's like that's the, why they don't want to eat oysters. This one is almost like you're eating a piece of steak. Oh, wow. So it's really, really good. I had it like as a carpaccio mm-hmm. one time. Mm. Sliced very, very thin. It was just was beautiful. Oh, yeah, we and make the this, all these great. sauces, you know, like, uh, and once again, you know, we try to do justice to the Mexican culture. So, uh, or my culture, I should say, uh, we like add like jalapenos, like emulsions, and just try to take it to a different level yeah. without compromising the flavors and, and the experience, too. So, where do you find Yui Duck? Like in the ocean? Which, which part I of the mean, world? I uh, mean, the United States, we're one of the biggest producers when it comes to gooey duck. Wow. Unfortunately, Everything leaves the the country, you know. It's like well, there's a lot of um, um, people that love it in Asia, so a lot of our production goes to uh, overseas. And isn't it mostly on the Pacific coast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. How big so, did you say it is? Oh, they can. Uh, I mean, the siphon can stretch up to like four feet. Wow. And uh, it's like pretty much like an elephant trunk. So with that you big, eat one bite at a time. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> very very tiny bites at a time. So, yeah. It, it was, it's a great experience. It sounds incredible. And it's very, yeah, very, I remember you saying to me, you're going to taste the ocean. Oh, yes. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it was so briny and so like, you know, I was standing on the rocks. It was. It's, it's almost like a little sponge with the uh, crunchy texture. And every time that you bite it, uh, I think it, the ocean explodes in your mouth. Huh. You know, it has this little tiny piece of, uh, or drops of uh, seawater inside. Yeah. That, that's when you can taste the ocean. Is that something somebody could walk in and order from you right now, or is that an occasional? It, it, it's not. Oh, it's not available all the time. Sure. Yeah, because uh, I'm kind of cuckoo, so um, <laughs> I'm always like I'm always changing the stuff. Yeah. So we can go from um, sea urchin to gooey duck uh, to sea pineapple, uh, sea cucumber. Um, we do what else? I mean, uh, sea pineapple. Yes. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I've seen yeah, sea, sea cucumber. It, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, related to the uh, sea cucumbers. Um, they, sea cucumbers look kind of like weird, but the, the meat, the flesh inside is just amazing too. Wow. So, and fish. Fish right now, I mean, that's one of the biggest things, you know. At the restaurant, we offer a lot of fried fish, which is very, very traditional in the south of um, Mexico uh, or Veracruz. Fried fish, grilled fish. And we bring, for the longest time in the Midwest, it was, we were just so used to, and I say we because I've been here for a long, long time, Hollywood, when it was the season, salmon, catfish, and trout. And, uh, and when it comes to like high-end, Chilean right. sea bass. Mm. So when I decide to open the restaurant, it's like there's more. There's more seafood. And so we start bringing an array of uh, fish, so from like, Yellow snapper, um, pink snappers, uh, tunas, uh, and we try to be sustainable too, you know. So one of the things that we do with fish, uh, we use all the bycatch, and we try not to be uh, aggressive with 
uh, the, the staff that is in danger. So most of the staff, I, I would say probably we're about 90% sustainable right now. Wow. That's a great goal. The other thing that's really fun is watching your Instagram feed. And when you get something really interesting in, you have your chefs get around it. And sometimes it is a gigantic fish. I mean, I'm talking, oh yeah, you uh, know, like three, four feet long. Um, and when people eat at your restaurant, they also sometimes get the fish with their head on. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yes. So I mean, this is um, not something we see a whole lot in Kansas City. Um, oh, in the beginning. In the beginning, it was l- really, really hard. Um, but we always like told people, you know, it's like, if you trust me, you know, you're going to have a good experience. So this is the best way to eat fish. So it has to be on the bone. Uh, and cause the flavors uh, are going to be way better than just having the filet. Hmm. So, and, and people uh, listen, you know, so, and nowadays with, uh, with communication, once again, you know, uh, social media, we are more, um, eager to discover new things and we want better things. So yeah, for somehow like people trust us more. Yeah. I, th- I think it's good to see the whole fish um, and to see that you actually have to break it down. And, you know, it gives people a sense of, of the nose to tail thing, the mm. yeah. tip of the nose to the fin, yes. I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so that feeds into your sustainability, I think, yes. um, yeah. helping people understand. Do you have a lot of people asking about sustainability of your seafood or are we not there uh, yes. yet as I mean, a I mean we do like nowadays people are becoming more aware of uh, the harm that we can do to the ocean and uh, they become more responsible and so I want to be part of that too and yeah sometimes like uh, they notice like we were selling like uh, sepias and, and for a long time and a lot of people was talking to, were talking about the uh, it wasn't sustainable so we try to eliminate them so, but it's so delicious that it's hard to shy from that, you know. So we found the right way, you know. We found uh, a person that actually farm raised them, and um, with a little bit impact in the ocean. So we have a baby sepias now. Hmm. That sounds the way to handle it. Now, mm-hmm. one thing that I've noticed with sustainable seafood is the the question. They're coming from many miles. Do people ask you about? how far it's coming and whether that is a sustainable model. Yeah. Uh, once again, you know, we're more curious. Uh, customers are more curious about it. And, yeah, they, they care who fish, uh, who fish the, the, the crab let's say, or the, who got the oysters, how they raise them, where, what their methods are. And sometimes you just want to know the name of the person that's doing it. And uh, so we can establish that connection. So like um, people knowing their farmer, this would be people knowing their fishermen exactly, in a way? Exactly. Exactly. For for me, the most beautiful thing is like people call me actually from the boat in the middle of the ocean and tell me, you know what? Hey, we have this big fish that like most of the people, they don't care about it, but we already got it. So let's make, let's have it good use, you know, let's put it to good use and and I'm always like, yes, let's let's do it. Let's let's do justice, you know. So that's pretty incredible. They call and, you before they oh, even come back oh, from yeah. their fishing trip. Yep. And uh, as wow. soon as they land it, um, they put it in a box and they send it to me. It sounds like you have a really uh, a tight network of people that you're close to that are getting this. I mean, is this a ton of people or is it five or six? Oh no, there's there's tons of people. Yeah, there's, we deal with a lot of uh, small fisheries, and uh, we deal with some of the local um, uh, distributors too. 
and uh, they do really good practice. The people from Seattle uh, Seafood, Seattle Fish Company, you know, mm. they are very, very, like, uh, uh, into, like, being sustainable and doing a really good practice. So all the the contacts that they have, they're really, really good. Um, but at the same time, too, we deal with the small fisheries. People, they actually put most of their lives, you know, into fishing, and they want to do the right thing, and we work with them, you know. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. They make a little bit more money, we do, and and at the same time, we're sustainable. Well, this must add a lot of time, this kind of sourcing to your daily Oh yes. work. Oh, yeah. How much time would you say that you spend sourcing versus actually cooking or running your restaurant? Um, I would say, like, uh, it's combined. I mean, uh, I can be cooking and I get a phone call, you know. <laughs> wow. Hey, we have this. You know, it's like, and I have to answer the phone. You know, yeah. as I'm, I'm always, I'm constantly on the phone. And uh, when it comes to, like, orders in Japan, uh, well, for in Japan, uh, sometimes at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> wow. um, before the, the, the auctions start. The, the 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 beautiful thing about Japan is that they don't sell just to anybody. They have to believe. Is for them, it's not just about the money. It's about the connection. It's about the respect that you pay to to the to the food. Hmm. And uh, you have to do a really good justice to to the food, you know. And for them, that's how you they can they can allow you to have their product. So how did how did you earn that? Uh, we have to send pictures of the food. So wow. they give you, they, I mean, like anything else, you know, they give you a chance. And so you cook a little bit and you send them pictures. This is what I did with the stuff that you send me. And if they like it and if they think it's worth it, they continue uh, selling you food. Wow. So you have people judging you, not even tasting the food, mm-hmm. but just looking at it from mm-hmm. afar and saying, okay, that's... Yep. That's impressive food. Yep. Do you have to speak Japanese to the people on the phone, or how do you do? How are you <laughs> no, doing on that? Speak, Mexican, uh, most Spanish, of, or most of them speak English. Uh, uh, but I do have a good translator at home. That's right. Yes, there you go. That's helpful. Um, talk a little bit about your childhood. Mm-hmm. How did you be? Uh, how did you come to the United States, and and how did you become a chef eventually? Uh, well, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, why I asked yes, it. Um, <laughs> I'm the youngest of seven siblings. Uh, my dad died when I was four years old. And um, so uh, back in the day, I mean, you have to work. So I started working probably about like seven, eight years old. And uh, my mother, uh, having seven kids and a uh, little bit of support, so she got to work to support these kids. And um, the best thing that she can do was cooking and, and cooking from home. So she got the chance to make some money. And pay attention to the kids. Uh, and being the youngest, like I always tell people, you know, it's like uh, a lot of people think we get the best treatment, which I did, but I get the short end of the stick, you know, because I was my mom was working really hard and I was I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. I was with her, you know, so I got to help her. So um, seven years old, you know, we're dragging these big bags of like corn in the cob, you know that she got to process and uh, used to go to the market with her and, like, grind, like, corn and, uh, I mean, do all kinds of things. And um, she's maybe, like, not the best cook in the world, but I uh, I love her food. It's just, I mean, very simple, but it kind of, besides nurturing your belly, you know, it nurtures your heart. Hmm. So it makes you feel good. And 
So that's how I started. I started, uh, that's the first time that I started seeing food in a different way. And so, yeah, I never stopped. But the other thing for her was very important, too, is that you have to have an education. So we worked uh, during the day with her and just go to school. So it was a, it, it, that was a great combination. You had a, a business at a very young age, you told me. Uh, yeah, I was, tell, I was, tell us about I was, that. I was a 14 years old, and uh, I'm always had this, like, entrepreneur um, uh, you know, side of me. And uh, at 14 years old, you know, I started putting together this little cart and I decided to sell tacos. So I'm going to sell tacos. So yeah, at 14, that was my first business. But, and, the, but then you came um, to the U.S. and you were doing the first time actually that I don't even know that I was aware of you, but looking back, you were involved actually in managing oh, yes. properties. So tell us a little bit about so uh, yeah. I was uh, consulting. Uh, we were consulting for like restaurants and bars, and and so that's what I and managing like bars. And and I was young, you know. And uh, you work only like three days a week. It was a really good money, but I wasn't happy. So um, and my wife saw that, and I just decided to. Uh, we talk about it because uh, being a chef is very demanding. You have not. You don't have a set schedule. You have to work all the time. And uh, but when I decide to go back to cooking, uh, everything changed. Mm. Uh, I just became happier. Um, I find my niche, you know, and and uh, people start noticing the the that I really love what I do, and um, that makes everything better. So the once again, you know, the the customers or the clients or uh, they trust you more because they see the passion that you put into into cooking. And this happened just a few years ago mm-hmm. that you decided, like four years ago or yeah. a little little more than well, four. Well, I, I right? cooked before, like on and off, you know. Um, and but uh, four years ago, that's when I decided I, I was really really miserable, to be honest with you, and I just decided to start cooking and just put my heart and soul into it. That's such a brave thing to leave one career into something completely different. Oh, yes. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I mean, we work because we need the money, you right. know, and so going in consulting and managing places, uh, it's good money. Yeah. So going from, I don't know, if we put a number, you know, let's, let's, uh, an average $100,000, you know, a year, to make twenty thousand dollars in one year is like that's a big change, and but I guess what I was happy, hmm. and I was going home, and my wife saw that change, so I just embrace it. I have to imagine having the managing skill set when you start your own place has got to be massively helpful. Yes, and not <laughs> because uh, uh, it's it's a completely different feel. You know, uh, I'm in the kitchen. Mm. Uh, I'm cooking all the time, so it's really hard to see the other side of the business, you know, the front of the house. So it, it's it's brutal. Uh, you have to work like twice as much because you got to be everywhere. And but it worked. It worked. I mean, and we just kept. I just keep doing it. And I recall that Sayaka was pregnant when you guys. <laughs> We, and she was your sous chef. We in opened. The beginning. The, we opened the restaurant. It was just my wife and I. And a week later, uh, she told me that she was pregnant. Oh my goodness. After we opened the restaurant, we, we sh- opened the restaurant actually on my birthday. 
Uh, and it wasn't, it was just a coincidence because uh, it was by myself and I wasn't ready with the prep. So we keep dragging like a couple more days and finally was able to open uh, October 24th. And yeah, 2014. And I was like, I, I never, I, I remember, uh, I noticed there was my birthday until the end of the night. So yeah, a week later, my wife tells me, you know, it's like, I'm pregnant. So belly start growing. And uh, the space between the prep table and the flat top, because that's where she was my help. She was working during the day because she, she does have her own job. And uh, at 4 o'clock, she arrived to the restaurant after her job and started, like, heating up tortillas and making salads for me. And that little space between the prep table and the flat top, the griddle, you know, yeah. uh, started getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger because the belly was getting in the middle of the way. So. <laughs> But it was fun. And she was cooking. I mean, she was in the kitchen helping me, and she was serving. And uh, a few months later, um, it just, like, it just got crazy. So we start hiring more and more people. So I think people found you pretty pretty quickly. And <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was a matter of, of six months. Uh, I mean, we're so grateful for that. We're very, very grateful. And now you just had your second child. <sighs> And yes. you're going to open your third restaurant. And that's what I was I don't afraid know what to. This means. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as we decide to open the second location, uh, once again she told me that she was pregnant. So <laughs> now we have Lola. Uh, we have Issei. Issei was the the first one, is the boy, and she he's three years old now. And now we have Lola. Lola is uh, five months. Oh. So uh, I was afraid to announce another restaurant because <laughs> I might go home and, and she's going to tell me it's like I'm pregnant. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I love not. that. So work life work life balance. I think um, L- Lindsay and I have been talking about that. I'm trying not to be. Well, it's tough. I've been through it. So guys, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it. it's brutal. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of couples, you know, they get into this uh, into this field. Uh, it's really tough on them. It's really hard to find the balance. Uh, I think it, my wife and I we we find. We found we found a way to um, to see each other, to interact, and uh, without compromising our relationship and our family. Mm-hmm. But it's really, really tough, tough. So your kids are at the restaurant a fair amount. Well, Issei grew up at the restaurant because I was oh. uh, she was working during the day, and I was having Issei on the side, and uh, um, he was crying, and I was cooking, and uh, but he loves it now. He just goes and like it's a kid that he's three years old and he eats a two pound fish <laughs> on its own, you know. So he knows how to eat oysters. Uh, we went to Boston in um, one of these uh, old restaurants, you know, one of the staple restaurants in Boston, and um, we ordered some clams. And this kid uh, at the time he was like year and a half. He just grabbed clams, you know, and started like eating them. So all the servers, they I guess they never seen anything like that. So they came and like they were surprised that he was eating just raw clams, like nothing else, I and love oysters, that. just drinking the brine, you know. And <laughs> at home too, like we cut like tuna. We do a lot of temaki at home. Temaki is just um, the hand rolls. So my wife cuts a lot of fish and uh, puts it rice in the middle. You get the nori and you make your own rolls. So it's just it's kind of beautiful and so but he doesn't like the nori sometimes and he just like it's the raw fish. He's gonna be well used to it, yeah. Oh yes. Is there one dish that you guys find blends both of your cultures? 
Uh, surprisingly, I mean, uh, the Japanese culture, uh, it's very similar to the Mexican culture. Mm. When it comes to eating, um, obviously the ingredients are very different, but uh, um, we almost eat the same way. Uh, there's, uh, in, in the Mexican culture, we always put several things on the table to eat. Um, and so it's in the Japanese culture, you know, it's not just, we're going to eat fish and that's it. You know, it's like you have soup, you have salad, you have like a little bit of pickled stuff, you know. And in the Mexican culture, it's like you have to have like a little bit of tomatoes with onions and a little bit of lime juice and peppers and maybe a fish, maybe a little bit of meat. And I think it is because we use leftovers and mm. uh, we nothing goes to waste, you know. So we always, we really have a meal and you pull a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that, that you have leftovers, you know, and, and you pretty much have a buffet <laughs> so i love that how did you end up in kansas city um my brother moved here in a long long time ago and he just told me it's like people is super nice here in kansas city hmm. uh, every time that you walk down the street everybody is like i remember vividly he says like howdy or like hi hi and he smiled to you so i got the chance to um be in in, in new york and it's just completely two different worlds, you know. Mm-hmm. And and New York is like really, really rare that somebody say hi to you in the streets. So, and I just learned to love Kansas City. It's just beautiful. And um, I just decide, or we decide to just to raise our family here. And you guys have been here a long time. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 My wife, she moved here as an exchange student from uh, Okinawa. Oh, wow. And, uh, um, and, I mean, she decides to stay and... And uh, the rest of his history. So mm. she met me and this <laughs> <laughs> And the rest is history. Yeah. Well, you could have been living in Mexico or Japan, right? So yes. You yeah. Chose City. I mean, she talks about it all the time. You know, it's like, can we move to Japan? So I don't know. I, I think I saw a post on that, you know, where she's trying to figure out. Yeah, family. You know, yeah. it's hard when yeah. you don't oh, yeah. have family in yeah. town um, to help you. Especially I do. When you're I do kids. have family here, but uh, I mean, they work in the industry too, and so mm-hmm. it's really hard for them to. It's really hard for us in general to interact because uh, the schedules uh, always collage. You know, so yeah, we just talked about how tough uh, the industry hours can be. Oh, it, 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 once again, you know, I only use one word. I think it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. It, it is brutal. And, um, but I think if you love what you do, um, you know, how's that saying? You know, it's like you found something that you love and you never have to work a day in your life. Hmm. Um, basically, that's what it is. One thing is we love what we do. And the other one, I always tell people we're like a little bit cuckoo. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, <laughs> it, it takes like uh, something is not right in our heads, you know, so. What do you see down the road five years from now? Where do you want to be? Could you imagine it? Because four years ago, you were just opening a restaurant. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I never, like, try to, like, um, set goals that way, you know, it was like, or, like, try to, get, try to get awards or recognition. The, the initial idea is, for me, is just to cook good food. Um, just to to do what I do best, and um, and just try to be creative and try to push the envelope a little bit more every single day. Um, and that's it. And be honest. For me, it was more being honest about what I do. There is no 
extra sauce on my fish, you know, to camouflage the fish. Uh, I try to be honest when it comes to flavors and freshness and the things that I do. Uh, so people start noticing those things. And I think uh, everybody start noticing those things. And uh, that's when all, like, the non-set goals start happening. You know, like the recognition and uh, the respect. Uh, I mean, I'm so fortunate, you know, to have friends like Howard Hanna. You know, he's a well-recognized chef in the country. Uh, Michael Corvino, Ryan Brazil, uh, Kaylin Corcoran, you know. Um, great people, uh, great, great chefs in uh, uh, sommeliers, you know, Aaron Fry. Uh, so all those people, you know, like, uh, for me, that's the you. I, I mean, you guys. I mean, for me, that's, uh, that's how I, um, I measure uh, success. It's about, like, having more friends and, and people that really care about what you do. So, yes, I'm rich. <laughs> it's a supportive food community here. Oh, yes. It, it, like nowhere else. Hmm. Uh, very, very, like, close. Um, back in the day, it used to be uh, more about the rock star, you know, the chef there that was, like, uh, accomplishing a lot of things. But now it's it's not just about the, the rock star. It's about everybody else, you know. We help each other. We talk about food. Before it used to be every single recipe that you do, it was a secret. Now it's that we share it. Or we ask how I can make this better, you know. Yeah. And there's that there's the camaraderie, you know, it's like and and freedom too to like share information and make everything better. Because the people in Kansas City deserves it. I like the fact that you guys are all hanging out, being friends, Me having too. a beer, sharing things. I just and I've heard that before and I think I've seen that before too that um Kansas City for some reason I don't know if it's size or if it's just our Midwestern nice or what it is, but chefs do seem to get along here a lot better than oh, yes. what I hear about in other cities. So I, I think we should pat ourselves on the back. But I also think you've brought something very unique um, to the scene, yes. which we did not have before. And uh, I encourage people to go out and and try one of your restaurants. I want to describe just briefly, maybe you can help me with this, um, your, your three restaurants have very different feels to them. So the one on Kansas City, Kansas Avenue, which is your original, is a former, uh, was it a, a Mexican restaurant? It used to be a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. It used to be one of the uh, Taqueria Mexico here in, in town. And I think it was the number two or three. And uh, it was Taqueria Mexico for like 13 years. And um, and after that, nothing works in that, in that place. Um you mean the, the equipment didn't work? Right? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. So um, I just, uh, I'm always kind of like hard on myself when it comes to to cooking. Um, I'm always have doubts, like I think like any other chef. And so I decide to pick the, the uh, not the worst, but like the more, the, the most odd location. So because I told myself, if people come here, if people come to this place, in this neighborhood, you know, which is nothing bad about it. It's, uh, I think it's beautiful. Um, um, if they come here, that means the food is good. And, oh, boy, they came. Oh, boy, they came. It was fascinating uh, to see Omakase in that space. 
it's not a fancy space. It is. Oh, it's not. It's uh, homey, but a little little rundown. I yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we, I, well, I mean, got to be honest about it. Uh, <laughs> that's part of uh, the. That's part of its identity. It's part of its charm. It's part of the yeah. charm. And, and I always put it this way. You know, it's like it's when you meet uh, a person that has a bunch of tattoos. And it has tattoos all over the face, all over the body, you know. And the first reaction that we have is like, ooh, this person must be a criminal or something is wrong with this person, you know. But when you get to know those people, guess what? The tattoos, they fade away. You don't see them anymore. You see the actual person. The same thing happened at the restaurant. I, I can see it. Like, people just go in, like, the, for the first time and they start, like, looking around. They start touching the, the table and they start touching the, the booth, you know, or the chairs and, and looking everywhere, you know, like, uh, kind of asking themselves, it's like, what am I doing here? I'm going to have it on my casa. I'm going to have a course dinner. And, um, but as soon as the food starts coming out, uh, you can see the body language changes completely. Uh, people start like closing their eyes, you know, and hmm. they just get immersed into this uh, in the the world of, of flavors and and everything. When they leave, they are super happy. Do you still see that? Do you oh, still see yes. that? Oh yes. Transformation. Oh yes. Hmm. Every single day. Hmm. Every single day. I mean, once again, you know, I always tell people, um, my the restaurant is not for everybody. You know, some people have a different expectations when it comes to seafood. Um, especially here in the Midwest, uh, we are so used to, to certain things. And uh, um, it's, it was really hard for, for people to be open-minded about it, about all the new things. But little by little, I mean, we, I think we're doing our job, you know, and, and people is changing and it's been more open about it. And then you have a different feature out south. It's in a strip mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have a really nice um, marble top there where people can do a chef's kind of a... So, um, once again, you know, what I do is really fun. I have fun. Uh, I have fun cutting fish. I have fun uh, opening a, a, a shucking a sea urchin, live sea urchin, you know, or like cutting a gooey dog. So I want to share with people that I'm having fun. I want you to have fun with me. So doing an open kitchen in my kitchen, I think, is very, very, like, aggressive, you know, because it's right there. You are, like, two feet from all the action, you know. And the other thing, too, is for the longest time, we, um, we never see our food, how it's prepared. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's going on. And I want to be transparent about that. I want people to see how we treat your food before it gets to your, to your table. So, and I think it just, and it's fun. It's fun to watch. We're like, a lot of people say it's like almost like a, um, like a ballet, you know? It's like, a performance. Uh-huh. It's just right. like we move, like uh, we move, um, I don't know, it's fast, but at the same time we don't get in people's way. And um, it's like a well, well done, um, um, how do you say, ballet, yeah. Performance. Yeah, performance. So, and it's very natural though. And I can't wait to see the next performance. And this will, can I, can I at least say this will be the first foray on the Missouri side for your locations, right? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the neighborhood? Yes, actually. Um, yeah, it's going to be in Brookside. Though. <laughs> yeah, I'm so com- excited. I can walk to come see you and yeah, I will. We're coming to Brookside, so it's, it's going to be fun. Um, we offer, we're going to try to offer some more. Some things they uh, never they never been done in in the Midwest. I don't think they've even been done in, in the country. 
Wow. So uh, it's fun. Uh, we're going to try to bring as much as we can um, of seafood, you know, like obviously there's going to be a lot of stuff uh, straight from Japan. But at the same time, we want to be supported with the, uh, the local fisheries here in, in, in the United States because we do have a beautiful, beautiful products. And we're going to try to do, we're going to try to um, cut the whole sending um, the product overseas. You know, we're going to see if we, we can capture and use, make it stay here. Can't so wait. It's kind of local. Yeah. I like it. Yes. Local seafood in the Midwest, huh? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody can do it, you can. Right? Oh, well, we're going <laughs> to try. So I'm pretty excited. I think if people, um, I think if people are ready for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not disrespect. You know, we do have a great sushi restaurants here. Um, um, what I'm about to offer is going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be fresh and it's going to be cool. And, and it's just an experience, though. I'm intrigued. Okay, so we just got some more breaking news that Carlos is going to be featured on a show on Amazon Prime. There's a show coming in Amazon Prime at the end of the month. Um, Food of the Network. Uh, he's the one. That, they are the ones that um, they're producing this this show. It's almost like a slash documentary. You know, it's about the Harocho life, the seafood. Actually, the the real name for the for the show is going to be um, Seafood in the Landlocked State. Okay. So, How perfect is that? Yeah. So Feature we you. featuring, yeah, and it, it was, it's just humbling. It's amazing. Uh, it was nerve-wracking uh, because i never done anything like that. And it's always for me uh, doing something like this, you know. I'm so grateful that you guys invite me. But as you kind of expose yourself, you know, and for good and bad. For good, we're always ready for that um, because we're pretty eager to take a compliment for the bad. Not so much. And uh, so you have to be very confident in what you do in order to be able to digest all the bad things too, the bad criticism. So, but yeah, we're very, very happy. You know, I really want to share this with you guys. Um, just pay attention uh, on Amazon Prime. Uh, Food of the Network is doing this um, seafood in the landlocked state, you know, in the modern kitchen. That's the name of the show. And it's just going to be amazing. Do you know when that comes out? They just told me uh, they're in the process of uh, editing uh, mm. because they just came uh, for a second uh, round of footage uh, at the restaurant uh, in the beginning of last week. Oh, wow. And uh, so they just editing everything. But pretty, we're pretty excited. I think we're going to let everybody know on, on our social media, so which normally do. So if you want good seafood, if you want to follow us, if you want to come to the restaurant, you know, um, social media is the best thing, uh, the best way to find out what the new things are uh, that come into the restaurant. Lindsay, are you ready? I am. And I'm ready to eat sushi again. <laughs> <laughs> All good things. Carlos, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank Keep you. doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thanks for being a good friend. I can't wait to try gooey duck. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's going to be more than that. <laughs> it's quite the spectacle. <laughs> We'll see you next time on Chew Diligence. Bye.